Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. I decided to put up a quick, hopefully educational, podcast entry around the concept of DEX and DApps and exchanges and swaps because we're seeing a I'm seeing a pattern. It's a scary pattern, and I don't think it's going to get any better. And the United States government is to blame, but I'm disappointed that so many of these exchanges are bowing down instead of just figuring out how to make it work. So let me clarify what's happening. In crypto land, there are what I call two categories of cryptocurrency. Mainstream, not mainstream. Mainstream are those cryptos where it's hard to make money fast. Not impossible. Hard. Bitcoin. Bitcoin can certainly make you money fast, but as I'm sure you've seen, it requires a substantial investment of you in order to get to that, and even then it's a crapshoot. Ethereum could theoretically make you rich, but again, a significant investment. Doge might make you rich, but significant time would have to pass. Like All of these are built around the idea that it's not easy to get rich, rather than it's easy to get rich. So most of these ones that are difficult to get rich off of now are readily available. You can find them everywhere. I'm talking your Bitcoins, your Solanas, uh, your Ethereums, right? Ethereum Classic, Bitcoin Cash, Doge, AMP, uh, AAVE. Uh, compound maker, uh, which is Polygon, like you can, or maker rather, and then Matic, sorry, and then Polygon is Matic. All of these ones are mainstream. They're, they're everywhere. Ubiquitous, as I say. They're everywhere. You can easily find them. Exchanges have them all over the place. United States loves them because they're not easy to make a lot of money off of. They're no different than your regular stocks. Then you have the non-mainstream cryptos, for the most part, your non-mainstream crypto is anything that's on the Binance Smart Chain, number one. Number two, it is the list of what I call penny stock equivalent coins, right? Akita, uh, Keisha to some degree, even though Keisha is a little bit different, but Keisha to some degree. Uh, Saitama is another one. Baby Doge is another one. King Doge is another one. And so on that are way under a dollar, there's a high risk of losing your investment, but your investment doesn't need to be substantial to potentially get a substantial win. All of these have been largely blockaded from the United States, and I'm seeing that pattern that most of these exchanges that have, it's like, well, we'll let you guys, the United States, jump in and, and join us, but eh, we're going to block certain tokens from you, like gate.io. They'll let you in all day long. They have access to all the stuff but then they blockade you from the ones where you can make some money. Whereas Coinbase basically lets you trade anything that's available to it. It doesn't show you anything that it cannot trade. But the problem is that Coinbase, as you know, the only token that's worth, that could potentially make some profit is SHIB. And it's nearing the end of where you could make profit. So there's likely a correlation between market cap, the price of the coin, and where it could end up where there's some risk 
assessment that's been done to say that we believe that there's a money risk associated. And as a result, we're not going to allow you to offer this to American people, because if you were to do so, it might crash our economy or whatever the heck it is. What's really happening is that there are regulations and paperwork. You have to register as a certain thing with FinCEN and there's the Patriot Act and, and um, money laundering and all these different things that the United States cares about that other countries don't care about because their currency is worth garbage. So what they're really trying to do is avoid the Enrons of the world, avoid the Bear Stearns of the world or the Lehman Brothers of the world, avoid the Washington Mutuals of the world and these types of catastrophic event failures. The irony of that, of course, is that they'll gladly allow businesses like a Tesla to buy a bunch of Bitcoin, right? So there is a duality. There is a yin and yang to it. Unfortunately, the yin and yang goes against their so-called retail trader. They are perfectly fine with you trading something that basically behaves like a regular stock where it doesn't go up more than a few pennies at a time. It doesn't go up more than a few dollars at a time, or it'll take years before it has a significant return, or it's buy-in. You can only own like 500 of them before you're near broke or whatever it is. They're fine with those because in that mind, it's like, eh, there's not that much risk. And then the IRS will come after you for taxes and we're good. They don't want you to have these ones that are low market cap to start, but could gain market cap over time and just haven't gotten there and get it early. Because of that, in order to get access to these tokens, you have to go through it. You have to go through a basically a swap, aka a DEX, which is a form of DApp. And DApp, of course, in DEX refers to decentralized. So your coin bases of the world are a centralized exchange. You are going to one place and you have access to all these tokens from various whatever, whatevers. And you just pay fiat and you're done. Most Americans are paying with fiat to buy it up front because that's the only way you can really get in is to at least invest some fiat currency. However, when you want to try to get other tokens, you can then trade or exchange token A to token B. And unfortunately, on the Ethereum network, this requires gas fees. There is the Polygon network, which does not. There's trading in Bitcoin, which is cheaper, but Bitcoin doesn't have as many exchange by way of non-centralized exchanges, the ability to change Bitcoin to something of non-mainstream. And then, of course, there's Polygon and there's Phantom and there's Binance and others. But those are the main, those are the big players. I'm describing all that basically to tell you. If you want to get into crypto for the first time, you will have to spend some money unless it's given to you, because that's just the truth of it. It costs money at some point, at some layer, to get involved. And chances are it's going to be either Bitcoin or Ethereum that you start with, unless it's a stable coin, which I don't recommend, or something like DAI, which I think is a brilliant technology. And I'm only talking about Americans here. I'm not talking about people outside the United States. I'm talking about Americans. So you start in and you have whatever currency that you have. Let's say it's Ethereum, because that's what I would recommend starting with if you plan to trade. Because the predominant list of tokens that you might care about are on Ethereum first and foremost. Are they on Binance? Yes. The problem is that Binance, by and large, is way more restricted for American people than Ethereum for the same reason, because they think, well, you're going to make too much money or lose too much money, and the government's trying to keep you safe. So let's focus on Ethereum. You start out, you put $500 of Ethereum in there. All right, great. There's a token you want. You look at Akita. 
and you're like, wow, that's a great price. So basically for 10 bucks, I can, I can get a trillion of these things. That's not true. I'm just saying. And you're like, that's what I want to do. And you can't because Coinbase doesn't offer it. So you're trying to figure out how do I get this? That's where the DEX comes into play. The decentralized exchange. Decentralized exchange. Let me give you the analogy of centralized exchanges versus decentralized exchanges and how they apply for this type of transaction. Think of a centralized exchange as you walking into Albertsons to buy Wonder Bread. Think of a decentralized exchange as you walking straight into the Wonder Bread branch store, which is on the decline, but there's still some out there, where you can go straight to the actual distributor who has put excess supply up on the shelves available for you to buy directly from them. Doing that is a decentralized exchange where you're going straight to the source to get it. Imagine how much money you would save if you could go straight to the actual Ford warehouse or GMC warehouse or what used to be Chrysler warehouse or any other Honda, Toyota, whatever, and get the vehicle fresh off the manufacturing line, cut out the dealer, cut out the local taxes from the state, cut out all the middle tier. Imagine how much you should theoretically save and imagine how much faster the process would be, right? You wouldn't have to deal with the shady dude coming by. You want to buy this car, deep, deep, deep. And you wouldn't have to deal with the, you like these cars, get the keys off, get the yards, you take the car, drive off right now. You wouldn't have to do any of this, right? That's a decentralized exchange. In cryptocurrency, you can always go to a decentralized exchange, except when the decentralized exchange does not allow you to do it. For the most part, you can pretty much always go to a decentralized exchange because at the end of the day, you are not able to trade fiat. Fiat, your currency in America, that's the U.S. dollar, is the reason why there's so much lockdown and why when you try to go to something like gate.io, they'll welcome you in and say, yep, we, we offer these you know thousands and thousands of crypto so you can do all this stuff and to give you no warning and then you get in and you do the know your customer KYC steps and do all these hoops. And then it turns out you go and you want to buy your Saitama. And then they're like, well, I'm not going to let you do Saitama. It's because fiat has to be involved. They know fiat's involved and they don't want to do what's necessary to get on board with it, which would be registering under FinCEN, which is a different org of the government, and going through those hoops and going through the checks and balances necessary for the U.S. government to feel like they're actually doing their job and protecting you. Now, because that's the case, there's only, I'm going to say this and it's going to be controversial, but it's the truth. There's only one real exchange, true exchange, that gives you freedom within what it offers, and that is Coinbase if you're an American that is not in New York. All the other ones have weird, one-off nonsense going on about them. I could go down the list. L Bank basically blocks you at the point of withdrawal and then they mail you on fees. They're starting to lock down America. Gate.io lets you do America, but only on the mainstream tokens, not on the non-mainstream tokens. Binance.com completely blocks you. That's where the vast majority of tokens are. Binance.us is garbage. It's run, I believe, by people by India. It's not very robust and it's it's KYC is nonsense. Uh, Bitmart will let you happily give them money, give your money to you, but then when you go to withdraw anything, they will then block you, force you to do KYC, 
It's automated facial scanning. And if your skin happens to not be of the fair tone, you're going to get rejected and there's nothing you can do about it. So your money gets locked. So definitely don't do Bitmark. On and on and on and on. The only one that's even close is Binance US. And again, it's a garbage service, what it offers. And it doesn't offer the vast majority of tokens. And it certainly doesn't offer a lot of these non-mainstream cryptos. So it's really no better than a Coinbase over here. People keep talking about Robinhood. Robinhood is so far behind the times that, number one, if you put your money in Robinhood and you buy tokens, you don't own them. Number one, it's in the terms and conditions. You can read it yourself. But two, they ban certain states that don't make any sense whatsoever, like Hawaii. It, it just doesn't make sense. The reason is because there's a regulation that the state is requiring for its residents that Robinhood refuses to comply with. Also, if you remember GameStop, Robinhood was one of the first to lock you out of trading or when it starts spiking, prevent you from selling or basically tank the price. And all of a sudden you can go and you can sell, but you can't buy. And they're manipulating things, right? This is a this is a challenging situation with them where I tell people don't use Robinhood for crypto at all. Just don't do it. Use Coinbase if you have to use Binance, but do not use Robinhood because you don't own the tokens. Fast forward now. Okay, Leister, you've told me all this about all these different exchanges. Well, what am I supposed to do? That's where the DEX comes in. That's where you go straight to the source. And you use the Ethereum, the $500 or whatever of Ethereum that you bought in, and you're going to buy it directly from that exchange so that you can hold it in a wallet. And in a previous update, I covered the difference between wallets and exchanges. This is where a wallet comes into play. Your wallet then allows you to hold all different types of tokens, just like your physical wallet, you can hold all different types of tokens. Here's where it gets nicer. Your wallet can also hold the mainstream tokens and your wallet can exchange between the non-mainstream and the mainstream for the purposes of later cash out. It's a very clunky process. To give you an analogy of what I'm talking about, it would be the same thing as if you were able to go and mine gold yourself, but now you want to get cash out for it. You would have to take that mined gold, the raw gold, take it to an actual gold exchange or a pawn shop, but really don't go pawn shop. A gold exchange who will then give you the fiat currency for which you're asking based on the value of the gold. What if that exchange then doesn't accept raw gold and only accepts processed gold? Okay, then you have to take your raw gold to a processor, have it processed, then processor goes or minted, goes and says, okay, now that it's minted, processed, now let's take it over to the exchange. The exchange gives you fiat. It's the same clunky process you would have to do here. So in the DEX world, you will take your Ethereum, you will make a transaction directly with them to buy the coin or coins that you want. Here's the downside. And the reason that people are trying to get exchanges more on board with these different tokens and are failing when you go to the decks, you're going to be nailed with gas fees, absolutely outrageous gas fees, egregious gas fees every single time you transact these things because you don't have an exchange in the place of basically the effort it takes to get repl replenish those tokens that you just bought. So something, in this case, a worker process has to do the work to replenish what has been lost and give you what you are asking for. So you're charged every time you do these trades. 
This also applies if you had bought from the exchange and now you're trying to get into a different coin that does, is mainstream, that, you, that does work in the exchange, you can get cash out for it. This can be any type of coin. This can be Cardano. This can be Solana. This can be Compact. But now you're in the popular world. But it's like you don't want to go straight to the popular world. Let's take Ethereum. You bought $500 worth of Ethereum. Now you want to buy Solana. Great. Now you can only buy two and a half of Solana because of the price. You're like, well, I, that's it? Yes, because of Solana's price. However, let's say you were able to take that 500 of Ethereum Go to the exchange, buy Luffy Inu. I'm not advocating you do, I'm just saying. Buy Luffy Inu. You get trillions for your 500. You sit on it for a year. It drops two zeros. Now your $500 has just turned into $50,000. Now your $50,000 goes to Solana. And now you can own, what is that? Uh, 500 Solana. Wow. That's what it should be. That's what the U.S. government doesn't want you to do, but it's the only way to do it. So the talk through that you need to understand is in order. Question or inquiry, what are you trying to buy? Are you trying to buy a mainstream token, a well-known token, a token that everybody's talking about that is available everywhere? You see the ads everywhere on Coinbase and et cetera. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Doge, Solana, Maker, Compound, Amp, it's, they're everywhere. Trying to buy one of those, go straight to Coinbase, unless you're in New York. If you're in New York, you're screwed. But everywhere else, go to Coinbase. Don't fight it. Go to Coinbase. Do the hoops the one time. You can buy any of those tokens that you want. And they have a pretty fair list of other lesser-known tokens. Just know that you're not going to get immediate wealth, immediate wealth off any of those at all. I guarantee you. Bitcoin is the closest, but it requires a significant investment to be able to do that. Your $500 Bitcoin investment today is not going to make you a millionaire ever. Guaranteed. You would have to invest minimum, minimum, I'm going to say probably $40,000, $50,000 in Bitcoin to be wealthy at some point in the future. And even that's a crapshoot. With Ethereum, you'd have to own one, maybe two Ethereum to get to a point of wealth. And you'd likely have to buy into the NFTs and then start flipping the NFT. So basically you buy it at $2,500 or $3,000 and you sell it to somebody else for six or $7,000. That would get you wealthy, but it takes work versus what I'm talking about here. I take my 500 of however much of Ethereum. I load it into a wallet, whichever wallet you want to use. I might recommend Trust Wallet. I might recommend MetaMask. I might recommend Guarda. I might recommend Atomic. It doesn't matter as far as the wallet. Just make sure that it's easy for you to use. You load it into the wallet. You're like, well, how do I buy the whatever and get it into the wallet? This is where the my recommendation is you go to an ATM. When I say an ATM, I don't mean your normal ATM. I mean a crypto ATM. You may not be aware that crypto ATMs are probably near you. If you have a CVS near you, there's probably a crypto ATM there. If you have a Circle K near you, there's probably a crypto ATM near you. I would check first on the CVS side. It's called Liberty X. ATM, you can go there and just see if you see it. It'll be obvious. It'll probably be near the front door. If it's a Circle K, it's probably right next to the front door, and you can't miss it. It'll probably have a big Bitcoin sign. It doesn't matter that it says Bitcoin. I'll tell you why in a second. So if you have an ATM access, so your first step is to, once you verify there's an ATM nearby, this is what I recommend doing. 
You can do however you choose to if you have a different way, fine. What I recommend if you're just getting in, get a wallet. Find a wallet that works for you. Look at the different wallets. Do a search of crypto wallets. Find one that's interface looks reasonably intuitive. And again, I might recommend Guarda, Trust Wallet, MetaMask, Atomic even, or one of the various hardware wallets. The hardware wallets are a little bit advanced. I would start with a software wallet, then move to a hardware wallet later once you get kind of used to the trading and everything. Pick a wallet that works for you. Once you pick a wallet that works for you, you're going to need to understand how to receive tokens in that wallet. You may have to tell the wallet what type of coins you're trying to get, so you may have to do some setup. Make sure it's got what you're looking for. Once you have the token and the ability to receive those tokens built into the wallet, you're ready to start loading. And again, I would start with Ethereum if it's an Ethereum-based token. How do you know it's an Ethereum-based token? Chances are, if it's one of these lesser ones, it's going to be either Binance or Ethereum, and it will tell you. When you do a search about that coin, it'll tell you on its site, it'll tell you in the white paper, it'll tell you in Etherscan, it'll tell you somewhere, whether it's an Ethernet, uh, Ethereum coin or Binance coin. In the wallet, it should tell you if it's ERC20, which is Ethereum, or BEP20, which is Binance. The reason that's important is that if you're going to, if you're going to take the risk as an American citizen to go with Binance-based tokens, then I would suggest you load instead BNB, which is the Binance token type. Ethereum is for ERC20 token types. The ATMs will only let you load primarily Bitcoin. Some will let you do Ethereum, but then you'll convert to one of those two. So if it lets you buy Ethereum straight out, great. You're ready for the ERC tokens. But if you plan to buy Binance coins, you're going to need to buy the Ethereum, which I wouldn't recommend, or buy Bitcoin, which is probably better in that case. And then in the wallet, you're going to convert from one of those to the BNB coin. If it lets you buy Ethereum straight out and you're going to buy an ERC-20 coin, you're good to go. So that's your order. Next is what kind of coin is it? What coin is it? And does the wallet support it? Am I ready to receive it? You're going to scan that code at the ATM. Once your tokens are received, you can use cash in the majority of these. Cash, debit, credit, whatever. Once these are received in your wallet, now you're ready to explore the different exchanges. To get to the exchanges, you're going to go through swaps. Inside the wallet, this is represented as a dApp. And you should see a button that says dApp. It may also be called browser. The point is, when you access this area, it should give you some sort of a store that tells you about the different swaps. Uniswap is one, one inch is one, pancake swaps one, sushi swaps one, Shiba swaps one. There's a lot of them. For the most part, you can go with any of them. I would watch out for one inch because one inch is on the verge of IP geofencing blocking you from certain coins to be able to trade. I would largely stick with Uniswap is fine. ShibaSwap is fine. PancakeSwap is sketchy, but if you're doing Binance, you almost have no choice. Try to pick one that looks reasonably credible. Now, once you're in this whichever, the first thing, this is where people get stuck all the time. You're going to choose what token you're coming from, which is in your case, if you bought Ethereum, it's that. If you change to Binance, BNB, it's that. Whatever that token is, it needs to have access 
the right to transfer on your behalf. So it needs to have the right to sell off on your behalf, thus it needs access to it. You're going to be charged, if it's coming from Ethereum, gas fees for that first transaction. That means you're not going to be able to transfer all of it. You're basically paying a fee one time for that initial access to do it. This is annoying for people, but the reason that they do that is because, again, there's a worker that needs to be paid to do the work that first time. After you do it the first time, you've already authorized it and you're good to go. So people get stumped because they see that they're doing the transfer of coin A to coin B. They see that it took gas, and then they sit and they wait, and they don't see the coins. That's because you're not done yet. All you did was authorize the first trade of I need access to your money to be able to do the next step. Then you have to go back and do it again. So the first time you do it, you're giving access to the tokens, whichever that source is. The second time, you're going to do the same step again. So now in that second tier, so you'll do a trade. You'll do the first, select my source. You'll pick whatever coin you want to buy. I don't care what it is. It's going to say, I need permission to swap whatever in the button. When you click it, it'll say, all right, I'm going to charge you this gas fee, and you're going to go, okay, that's the first half of the step. You're going to go back after it's done. You're going to go back and do that same step again with the same trade. But now it's actually going to do the trade. It's confusing because the interface won't tell you that the first step is just for authorization reasons. On the second, you're going to choose what token that you want from your remaining amount of source, whatever. The source that's remaining could be, it depends on what the gas fee was at the time. You might only have 350 left out of $500 because it was the gas fees were at a spike. I saw them at $400 the other day. So you have to, I'm talk about that in a second. But the point is, whatever you have left, you still need to account a portion for the second set of gas fees necessary to do the step. So when you do select the two pairs, it should give you a quote. When you hit swap, it should tell you, you know, I'm going to charge you $100 in gas fees for this. So if you had $300 remaining, that means you could, the most you can get is $200 worth of coin. You're saying to yourself, Leister, man, I put $500 in this thing, and you're telling me I'm only going to get $200, possibly, or less, or more. The gas fees will change throughout the day as different activities are taking place. I'm talking about Ethereum. As activities take place throughout the day. This is the downside of Ethereum, but it's the price you pay to be able to get the coins you potentially want to potentially become a millionaire. So understand what that's doing. It's saying... Okay, I first charged you to have access to your money. Second, I'm charging you to actually do the work to transition this money. That means that you could lose a lot of money just to get to the point of buying the tokens. And I'm not even done yet. So let's say that goes through. Okay, now you got your tokens that you wanted. Okay, here's where it gets sketchy. If and when later this token starts to go, quote, to the moon, as they say, and now... You've got hundreds of thousands of dollars. You put 200 in this and it dropped three zeros. So now, boom, you're $200,000 and you're like, I want to cash out half of this. I know it's going to frustrate you, but you're going to need to now go back and buy more Ethereum. Why? Because now you need gas money to get that money sold to a new coin. But you're going to need to pad that number because you're not going to know how much gas it's going to require. So you're going to need to overestimate how much gas you're going to need at any given time. Identify a chunk of money 
each time you need to do a transaction that's overestimated based on what you think it's going to cost. So in this case, for example, if I know that I'm going to cash out half of it, there's a previous update I did on the podcast about liquidity pairs. I suggest you listen to that. But in the liquidity pair, it's going to determine how hard or how easy it is to do the work based on what currency you're going to. So let's say you're cashing out Luffy and you're going straight to USD Tether, which I don't recommend, but let's say that's your only choice in this case. It might cost you $160 in gas just to get it over to USD Tether. Okay, so if I know that it's $160 in gas just to get it to Tether, I might recommend tossing 500 more in Ethereum for gas. Why? Because I need that 160 to get it over to USD Tether, and I'm going to need an unknown amount of money to get it to an exchange, let's say Coinbase, in order to cash this out. That amount, the second gas amount, could be anything. Like I said, the gas is always moving. But I'm assuming it should not go over $340. And chances are it's probably going to be around $30 to $70. But I'm overestimating. Plus, I'm also leaving a little bit of Ethereum just in case I was grossly overestimated. It's there for the next time I want to do this, right? So you do the transition from your coin, and now you're cashing half out to this whatever coin you chose. Now you do another, now you're doing a transfer of your coin to whichever exchange. You would have to set up with the exchange. It will give you a receive QR code, and you will trade, you'll basically send coins to that address. And it's going to charge you gas fees, and then it's done. Once you've gotten the coins, whichever coins you chose, into the exchange, you don't have to worry about gas fees anymore. But you hear what I just described in terms of just getting to the point of having something where you made a profit. You had to invest significant amounts of money in gas. You had to jump through hoops through the wallet. You had to do multiple trades just to get to the point that you had a token that was supported mainstream to be able to trade it. That's what you'd have to do once these exchanges start locking down and refusing to support these coins where you could get rich. This is the only way to do it is to work through the decks and then do multiple trades and then ultimately pay potentially hundreds, if not thousands at some point of dollars. Thousands is kind of over is extreme. I'll tell you why in a second, but certainly hundreds of dollars just to be able to get to the point of get, realizing that profit. Then you'll have to deal with the other risk, which is once you start receiving this money in the exchange, you should send it in chunks because they're going to start looking at, okay, you just got a cash out of $200,000 coming in here. We're going to start flagging it. We're going to start IRS red flagging this. Where did this money come from? How are you getting this much money? Because the U.S. government has told them to do that. Now, if you were to do it in a crypto that is mainstream but not at risk, and by risk, I mean, is not under scrutiny. You might be able to get away with a little bit of it, but you're still going to have, again, them flagging it because of IRS rules. Anything over 10000 bucks, they're going to flag it. You can't avoid it. There's nothing you can do there. And you cannot cash out fiat from the wallet because there is no fiat in the wallet. It's all based on coins that have no real value. It's, it's, 
it's intrinsic value. It's not, it's not realized value. So because of that, anytime fiat comes into play, now you got the U.S. government breathing down your neck because of the way that thing works. And when you're doing a receive of significant amounts of money, it goes to the whole money laundering and money funding terrorism and Patriot Act and so many other different regs that are designed basically to keep you from getting rich. You have to just not worry about it. They may block you, block access to your funds, force you to do another round of KYC, uh, force you to do some filing. Regardless of what it is, you're going to run into some, I guarantee you, blockades when you go to cash this stuff out. It is what it is. However, there's another option, potential option. I'm not going to describe details, but again, if you go to Bitcoin, you have less of a risk of some of that happening because Bitcoin is Bitcoin, right? So if you happen to have, let's say, $200,000, well, that's only a couple of Bitcoin. It's a lot of value, but it's only a couple of Bitcoin. So maybe you do that. It's still going to get flagged somewhat, but they'll look at the fact that, okay, it's a couple of Bitcoin. There are people out there that have bought you know, millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. They still have to go through the same hoops but it's less and certainly it's still money and you can easily cash it out. So that's another option. I want to go back though to the gas fees and then I'll wrap this up. Gas fees are based on the value of the gas fees are based on whatever activities are going on. So as NFTs are happening, as people are trading, as burns are happening, all of these are increasing the gas price known as GUI, representatives rather as GUI. Guay has a certain price, which is how much should I be charging for it based on what's what scarcity of it as of a given time. And then how many different, how much gas am I going to need for this transaction based on the size of the transaction? Don't worry about this. this is something you don't see. It's behind the scenes. It's part of the code. What you need to know, though, is that this price fluctuates throughout the day. There are sites that allow you to monitor and try to identify the lowest point of the day. And by and large, you can expect a low range-ish of about 20 bucks. High has no cap. I've seen as high as $1,500. Low is about 20 bucks. I wouldn't expect to go any lower than 20 bucks, at least not in the short term. Given that you can see a range across the day, it means you can time it to where you can get the lowest gas to minimize how much it costs to do things. Some transactions are going to be expensive no matter what, and you're talking 80 to 100 bucks. Like if I'm tra trading co uh, coins, rather, those are going to be reasonably expensive no matter what. You're not going to get a $20 exchange of coin A to coin B. It's never going to happen within a wallet. But just moving money from one wallet address to another, you can get as low as like 20 bucks on those. It just depends. I've seen... Certain transactions would be like eight bucks, five bucks. It used to be a lot lower. And then when NFTs started to spike, all of a sudden I saw 20 as kind of the floor. All that means is that you have to budget. Budget over budget for the thing. Then once you've got a stake of whatever gas money in there, you can now play with the times to try to find the right time to do the transfer. So let me put this in a bow. If you're trying to actually get rich, which means you have to take the highest level of risk and trade coins that have the highest level of risk in order to get the highest level of reward, you're likely going to need to go through one of these DEXs. You cannot go through a regular exchange because the U.S. government doesn't want you to get rich that fast. So 
I broke down how to do that on the Ethereum side. The Binance side is basically the same, except that you're not going to be able to buy BNB, which is their token, straight out of the gate. You're going to have to buy either Bitcoin, which is what I recommend, or Ethereum, which I don't recommend. And then you're going to need to trade it to the BNB token and then get whatever coin you're trying to get. In some cases, you may need you may be able to use the Bitcoin, because that's what I recommend, and buy whatever coin if there's an exchange that supports that liquidity pair. In other cases, you may need to exchange your Bitcoin for USD Tether, because that's the most common, or what's called TRX, which is Tron. It's a certain type of token. Some exchanges actually support that. You'll have to trade it to one of these other types of tokens in order to support it. The nice thing is that Tron is supported on the main exchanges. Bitcoin is on the main exchanges. USDT is on the main exchanges. So you could theoretically do the same steps as in buy in from an ATM and then use Bitcoin and then buy what you want through the wallet or go to an exchange starting out because you're going to need it anyway to cash out. Buy, you know, a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, send it to your wallet, buy whatever you want when it cashes good send it back to the exchange, and then cash it out. Slightly less steps simply because the permissioning part doesn't apply when I'm trading Bitcoin. The permissioning part applies in Ethereum. It doesn't necessarily apply in Bitcoin in most cases. There are other ways that you can use and buy and sell Bitcoin for other coins on certain websites that you can research. Bitcoin's a lot easier to deal with. The only reason I don't lead in with Bitcoin as a recommendation is that, again, for any ERC-20 coin, it doesn't matter. You're still going to have to go through Ethereum at some layer in order to buy into those. So hopefully that's helped. There's a lot to it. Do your research. Do some Google searches. But that's what it is.